I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Heroes 3, the bi-weekly podcast where three friends explore the best, worst, and everything in between in the world of Asian cinema. And this week we're continuing our look at gun action cinema with 1989's The Killer, directed of course by John Woo, and like every movie in this arc starring starring Chow Yun-Fat. Yeah. <laughs> and, our, and we our get Chow Yun-Fat and Danny Lee. Again. Yeah, our beloved Danny Lee is back in action, and this might be one of the best Danny Lee performances of his whole career. Definitely, I think, the strongest of anything that we've covered on the show. And oh my gosh, we're at The Killer. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but <laughs> this is probably one of the greatest films that we've covered so far on the show. I, I definitely so, agree. Yeah, yeah it, it hits in every aspect. It's super good, and I was really excited to get to this point. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a really it's a great movie. It's a movie that I had actually I had had the physical copy of for a while, but I oh, nice. hadn't gotten around to actually watching it until uh, for this. And I and I watched it twice for this because it's that good of a movie. <laughs> it's nice. great, um, and it's also really fun watching it um, kind of shoulder to shoulder with some uh, of its contemporary films. Um, mm-hmm. And boy, the movie just shines. Uh, I mean, it's funny because. Uh, if you would have asked me before watching this, A Better Tomorrow just has a really soft spot in my heart. So I consider it like one of my favorite John Woo films. But now watching them so close together, it's like, wow, the killer really is operating on a whole other level. I think in kind of on every front, uh, the the writing, the acting, John Woo's confidence with the camera and the staging, the editing, cinematography. Every, I mean, it's there's a reason that... Uh, the killer is so well known internationally, uh, so often imitated, uh, sometimes poorly imitated, um, <laughs> and really why I think so. To the extent that people will try to reduce John Woo to a cliche, they're often focusing on uh, elements found in this movie. Um, mm-hmm. Elements that uh, I would say are damn effective in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah, it's amazing uh, going going back to it and also seeing like it really is a product of its time. It, it you can almost kind of like smell and taste like the Hong Kong of the late eighties here, and um, yeah, can't say enough about this. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the action in this film is picture perfect i think of like when was commando out and like i think it's like 1985 you know how commando yeah, is just six i wanted to say but yeah you're probably right yeah when you're watching the action in commando it's like so intense but kind of comical and just how like what's gonna happen next like with the yeah, killer it's like there are a lot of explosions but they're mm-hmm. not they don't mean much yeah <laughs> yeah, with the killer, it's kind of got that same energy of these shootouts, but you take out the kind of comical, like, uh, I don't know, sideshow elements of, right. like, you know, throwing a saw blade at somebody. And it's just this <laughs> intense, like, firefight. Between... It's also just an incredibly smart movie. Um, mm. And maybe this is not to dredge up my probably bad opinions and incorrect opinions (laughs) on city on fire. But uh, this is sort of what I mean where it's like 
the killer isn't just good for a Hong Kong film or for yeah. a movie with subtitles. It is so smart and uh, John Woo devises so many scenes that you've never seen before. Um, mm-hmm. And they're not, I'm not just talking about like amazing gunplay action scenes, but these character moments that just really stick with you. And um, yeah, I've, this is probably one of our most like quotable movies. I know it, that's like maybe a a broken concept since we're talking about things that are translated with subtitles, but there's so many great, great lines that like mm-hmm. kind of encapsulate the, the theme of, of the film. One thing that I and think it has yeah. a really good dub too. And it's using it's oh, a, yeah. our, that kind of classic dub, uh, crew that we've, we've heard in lots of movies, but it really does stay true to it, uh, to the, to the original script. And, and we don't have a dumb, like, you know, 90s-ification of, of the, the 80s movie. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah, totally. One thing that I think is a little bit of a shame, uh, we mentioned that Danny Lee is in the movie, and Danny Lee is so damn good in this film. Um, mm-hmm. But another thing is uh, the English title is great. It feels classic and everything, right? But the the Cantonese title translated to something more like Pair of Blood-Splattering Heroes, it probably sounds a lot more uh, poetic in Cantonese. <laughs> and and the movie itself is this two-hander. Um, they're co-leads, Ch- uh, Chow Fat and Danny Lee. And mm-hmm. I think it's a little bit of a shame because you have this title, The Killer, and Chow Fat looks so cool. He, on any mm-hmm. DVD or Blu-ray you're going to find, you're going to see Chow Fat on the cover. You probably won't see Danny Lee. Um, yeah. So like that part of the movie's legacy, I think, is a little, a little unfortunate because... I think it should be remembered as uh, this story about these pair of interesting characters. And it's uh, another opportunity for John Woo to explore these themes of brotherhood. Um, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think it might even be, it might even do so more effectively than a better tomorrow. Um, I think so too. Yeah. yeah. You were, we were talking about uh, city on fire and related to that. It kind of reminded me of the jump from, uh, from Reservoir Dogs to Pulp Fiction, where oh, it's dude, like that's so funny. you see yeah. you see a lot of like the like the same kind of sensibility and the same idea of it, but, but just more confidence. Done, and... Yeah, more more confidence, more budget, and just you know just done better with more experience. Dude, overall. I was thinking that too. I was thinking like <laughs> going from Bottle Rocket to Rushmore, or like uh, yeah. Blood Simple to Raising Arizona, or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. the first like stepping stone into like the huge breakout that really yeah. solidifies what people love from and, like, yeah the like the smaller totally. and we should say uh john was the only credited writer on the movie uh as well um and uh yeah, some stuff i yeah. found said that a lot of the interactions were just like ad-libbed <laughs> Oh my like, god! Like that. didn't have a lot of preparation. He mentioned that, and we've talked about this with certain other films too. Um, but he's mentioned this in interviews where he would get to uh, to shooting that day, and he would be working on the script for the day's scenes, and then they would <laughs> film those scenes. But while <laughs> while they're filming today's scenes, he's already thinking about tomorrow's script Mm -hmm. so it was really kind of like a day-to-day situation and actually the action was similar to that too and um 
we'll talk about it later, but they spent a lot of time on uh, the bigger action pieces. So they really had time to come up with these fun ideas like, hey, what if we do this? Or, hey, maybe this will work. And it, you see it all in the film. The other oh, thing that awesome. I would awesome. uh, mention is that um, this is following A Better Tomorrow too, which we talked about a little bit. And um, there was a bit of contention between John Woo and Choi Hark. So Choi Hark actually was like, no, nah, I'm not going to help fund this film. So in order to get the killer uh, executed, he actually turned to Danny Lee and Chow Yun-Fat to uh, help fund the movie. So um, at the beginning of the movie, you'll see a couple of logos that maybe you're not used to seeing. And these are uh, Chow Yun-Fat and Danny Lee's production companies. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes. I was thinking it's weird that there's like four production companies. Yeah. You're like, is this 2017? <laughs> What's going I, on? Yeah. And it, it's <laughs> yeah, cool. They, all those logos look awesome. But um, the uh, the thing I was thinking is, I wonder if having kind of not being as tethered to Choi Hark, uh, with the production of this film, he still is a producer, but um, not having his money behind it maybe that afforded him a little more freedom to do all the crazy stuff that he ended up doing in this movie so when you hear john woo talk about this i i think that he considers this one of his favorite movies that he's ever done wow totally totally understandable yeah (laughs) very cool well we want to jump into talking about the movie itself let's do it awesome Well, first, let's take a look at the back of the VHS. Hong Kong, 1989. Ah a paid hitman, gets more than he bargains for when collateral damage turns into tragedy. Jenny, a club singer, blinded by fire. She finds a guardian angel in Ah the same man that pulled the trigger. Inspector Lee, hot on the trail. As he inches closer, truths are revealed and lines are blurred. One man a killer, one man a cop, both men living by a code of honor. John Woo unleashes the next chapter in heroic bloodshed. Xiao Yun Fat, Danny Lee light up the screen in The Killer. So, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie before doing this for the podcast. And it was so funny seeing everything in the movie. And I was like, oh, that's where that's from. Oh, that's where that's from. Oh, they have doves. Oh, the church is covered in in candles. <laughs> oh, he's diving backwards and shooting two guns. Like it was like all the all the things that people kind of ape on with with John Woo. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They don't really hesitate. They they throw you mm-hmm. right into it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is such a f- cool first set piece of the church, and it's like pouring down rain. And the church is like under construction, so there's like scaffolding and stuff everywhere, and a kind of irresponsible amount of candles. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> nice, well said. <laughs> Did you Something... guys know that oh. uh, John Woo is actually Christian? Yeah, really Lutheran, actually. Oh, uh, huh. Yeah. So I-, I was surprised to find that out when I was um, studying up for this episode. Yeah, I guess the kind the, of... the the Wu family was Christian, so during the Cultural Revolution, in Ch- they fled China uh, to Hong Kong, mm. um, basically oh. for, for safety. But then, yeah, um, uh, yeah. I mean, John Wu had really interesting childhood because then um, I think his dad got injured or something. Anyways, they ended up being really poor and destitute, living in this terrible neighborhood. 
he tells of a story supposedly where he uh, experienced a man getting like killed on his like front steps. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, which I mean, you have to imagine leaves some kind of uh, imprint or whatever. But I guess yeah. his his mom loved going to the movies and would take him to the movies, and so he would see all these mostly American movies. And apparently he like loved musicals, like uh, loved the wizard of Oz and later stuff like seven brides for seven brothers. And, Hmm. um, so he, yeah, he was really raised in like kind of an interesting international, uh, cuisine. And, um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think it is kind of surprising because, uh, I think most of the international audience would maybe expect that, the Christian imagery here is almost like appropriated or something. That's that's um, what I always kind of thought when yeah. you'd see yeah, that. Yeah, I figured like, it was just he kind of pulled it from some movie he saw where it was like a person that's like, you know, going to church after doing some horrible murders or something. Yeah, but... and it looks like a church almost like in an old Western or something in some mm, like small yeah. town, uh, which is awesome. But uh, I was yeah. really surprised to find that out and it kind of, frames the imagery he uses in a different light mm-hmm. knowing that it was an important imagery to him so i thought that was a really cool seeing it in this movie yeah totally man one thing i i love about almost every scene in the killer is it's is it's almost uh always doing more than one thing so uh like you guys are saying just visually uh the setting of the church and how it's lit is really powerful but also what it says about Chow Yun-Fat's character and that this is the place that he's takes refuge um anyways yeah like John was almost always getting like two or three layers of uh meaning in like most of these uh most of these moments and like I was saying before we we'd see the doves that are just kind of floating around throughout the the church which i (laughs) yeah it's funny because you know that's like such the stereotypical john woo thing but i imagine if you're watching this and you like you didn't have that in mind that that really is a cool like thing to to come back later with the doves flying around yeah totally i'm sure no one would have been like oh why are there doves that's that would be like watching raiders of the ark and be like okay why is there a big boulder that's stupid it's like (laughs) um it's like yeah and it's just iconic yeah so, you know, the film kind of opens uh, on these silent shots of Chow Yun-Fat's character, and then we meet uh, our next character in the film. And it's interesting. Uh, we've said that this is like a two-hander, and each of those hands or whatever also has this close friend uh, mentor um, figure in their lives. And um, I really love how the movie kind of plays on, on sort of both sides of the story with these guys. Yeah, um, our main character, his name is Ah Jong, and he... Uh, you or quick... Jeff in the dub. Oh, really? <laughs> yep. Jeff? Oh, I like Jeff. Oh, Jeff man. or Jeffrey. Oh, Jeffrey. What yeah. the... <laughs> I, don't, okay. I don't know. <laughs> oh, that makes me think of... We'll, we'll get to it later, but I think... are So are the nicknames different then? Yes, they are. I oh, will... man. Oh, oh, you don't, don't know? Oh, don't, okay. Don't yeah, there's say actually anything. two different versions of English dub nicknames, too. Oh, Top wow. Players. I can't wait to hear where the other one is then. I'm so but excited. We'll, we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> so uh, Ah Jong meets with his friend, um, say, Fu, and he's like kind of Sydney, like... In the Cindy, or Sydney, rather, like the city. Oh. Is what it is in the dub. Okay. Oh, that's so, cool. And this is played by uh, Paul Chukong. Yeah, who um, actually 
was retired at the time and um i believe it was chow yun fat that um got him to come to the production so he did it kind of as a favor another one of these kind of ground roots aspects to produce the film that kind of like i was thinking led to a little bit more freedom on john woo's uh, side of things Oh, but that uh, makes sense. God, his his performance is so good in this movie. Yeah, wow. yeah, really mm-hmm. good. And um, he gives him an assignment, and um, you kind of uh, you you get this pan out. We've got some slow motion camera already of uh, Ajong Jeff. Did you say <laughs> Jeff? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, Ajong's a lot cooler. <laughs> yeah. He's leaving the church in the middle of a in the middle of the pouring rain, and you uh, hear this song start to play, and you'll find out that this is Sally Yee's character, Jenny. In the original audio, she I it's assume still, she's it's still Jenny. Okay, they, they kept Jenny. Yeah, they didn't change that. <laughs> okay. That'd be weird. Um, that would be kind of weird. <laughs> and yeah, and, Sally Yee, she was like a giant, um, like pop singer, pop star at at the time. So um, yeah pretty big casting here for the movie he arrives at a nightclub or a restaurant and uh, this is the location for his next uh, hit and uh, they make a point to have him cross right in front of uh, Jenny mm-hmm. as he makes his way over and um, I've heard uh, John Wu a couple of times mention his uh, fondness for uh, Jean-Pierre Melville's Le Samurai and I feel like uh, if you've seen that and you see this, you can totally understand uh, mm-hmm. the appreciation here because um, there are a lot of uh, similar aspects going on. But uh, we're going to get a lot more action <laughs> right now. So yeah, when uh, wow. Ajong makes his way over, he casually knocks on the door and immediately when the door opens, he just takes out the guy. And um, following so that, shocking because like the scenes leading up to it that are non-action mm. scenes are all in this high-speed slow motion, mm. um, and so there's something about it that's just like takes your breath away. Um, mm-hmm. And that's where we get that amazing. He he shoots the guy, then like backs into him and and like dives backwards onto the floor to shoot yeah. the two guys on the sides of the door. Yeah, and again with the the dual wielding handguns, mm-hmm. I believe it's a Beretta that he's using. I, yeah, yeah, I think I, you're the, right. I looked up the 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 movie firearm database or whatever, oh, nice. and it's oh. it's incredibly thorough. Nice, like oh, it dude, even nice. it even says that. Um, I think they could only get one because they used real guns for the movie for the most part. Yeah, and, and I think just, it was like um, diff- they had to import them from. I can't remember where, but yeah, it was like hard for them to actually get yeah. get them for the shoot. And um, they could actually only get one Beretta, but they wanted him to have the two. So one of them is just a different gun that they basically like modified so that it would look like a second Beretta. Oh, nice! Wow. Yeah. Oh, dude, cool, cool. <clears throat> fine. We should also say um, one of or the main action director of the movie is uh, Ching Siu Tung, who we've encountered several times oh, yeah. in the podcast. Um, so it's yeah, nice kind of seeing that uh, innovative physical choreography applied to this gun action. And I would mm-hmm. say compared to any of the of the gun action films, maybe with the exception of uh, uh, Yes, Madam, we're really seeing some. We're really mm-hmm. seeing like I think maybe the best fusion of the Hong Kong martial arts tradition with this shooting. You know. Yeah, totally. I totally agree. The same energy, definitely. 
Um, yeah. And they would supposedly, um, you know, use the same kind of wire rigs and stuff um, that had were kind of being perfected by this time. Um, but instead of needing them for kicks and punches, you can mm-hmm. have them for all these uh, gunshots. So. Yeah. People again, like flying back and stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So Ajong's quickly successful in his hit. Um, the, I think the third guy that he shoots is the mark. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, the shot is really cool. The, the kind of altered focus of the uh, Ajong holding the gun right at the camera. Oh, yeah. That's a good shot. Yeah, that's super cool. And then, uh, yeah, he takes out a couple other guys. And there's another stylish move that he does where he kicks a table there's a handgun mm-hmm. on the table oh, so and great. flies it into the air and then takes out another guy um but uh he makes his way out and is still under fire and jenny is kind of she seems like she's casually walking around which is there's a couple weird. of times in this movie where it's like these guns like everyone would have cleared out because <laughs> yeah. of how incredibly loud this is and she just like oh, what's going on here yeah but she ends up in the line of fire and he dives uh, over her to protect her and uh in doing so he takes two shots to the back and uh, in retaliation he sh- fires right in front of her face and this mm-hmm. gunfire actually wounds her eyes and um, yeah it's basically the catalyst to all the drama that happens in this film it's also really striking how john woo shoots that shot it almost looks like a manga panel or something Mm -hmm. Um, yeah you're totally right with like the big flash over her eyes and yeah this i mean this entire sequence is a real shock to the system nothing's happening the way you'd expect it um and uh but yeah this so much of what uh what then transpires in the movie does kind of all come back to this there's a quick scene back at the church where they're pulling the bullets out of his back uh which is that's pretty rough yeah Um, his friend once again uh coming to his aid and then yeah we uh there's a kind of a cool dissolved transition to jenny in like some kind of recovery room and i love how this is lit it's almost abstract there's just this yeah she's like a a white void yeah yeah and um some pretty gruesome stitches around her eyes and um she's not uh fully blind but she can really barely make out make out anything and then uh we see uh a character played by uh Mr. Lovable uh, Kenneth Tsang who mm-hmm. I guess let's see we did we see him last in a better tomorrow is the yes. taxi cab mm-hmm. uh, yes got, yeah um, yep. but anyways yeah got to love got to love him <laughs> Uh, there's also another evocative shot where they're, uh, Ken's character is asking her, okay, do you remember this guy? And then we see this image of Chow Yun-Fat, like almost James Bond, like shooting the camera. <laughs> I was going to say that looks exactly like a shot blood behind him. It's amazing. <laughs> no, it's exactly like from James Bond. That's great. They do this really interesting, it's almost like an animation technique where they cut him out of the frame as the yeah. blood effect like spills mm-hmm. across the screen. That's really nice. Yeah. But what we find out is that following her injury, uh, Jenny still is performing at the club, and uh, Ajung's kind of haunted by this. And he yeah, it seems like kind he's of, going there every night to watch her. Yep, and he encounters. Um, well, there's a there's a situation in like the alley. She's on her way home, and some some dudes try to mug her, and he comes to her aid, and uh, that's when they meet uh, officially. 
for the first yeah. time. Yeah, and and that's uh, where like he he really sees like oh yeah this is a person who had like a whole life that I just completely <laughs> took everything away from. Yeah, totally. Um, and she even uh, still has the because he wrapped like the scarf around her eyes right after he had shot her, and she still has it hanging up in her house. Yeah, he escorts her back to her her apartment, and here we see just. I think, yeah, a little more illustration of just how challenging her life is now. Um, she hears some kind of rustling noise when they step into the apartment. It turns out to just be a cat. But, um, you know, having lost most of her, her eyesight, she's, yeah, she's just in a really terrible situation. And I like how John Woo depicts this. Um, again, like two or three hap- things happening at once. The cat actually knocked over some photos on her piano and so as Ajong's putting those back, he's seeing more evidence of, you know, the colorful, um, <laughs> full life that she led before mm-hmm. all of this. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one thing that I love is I think you get to this point in the movie and what you would expect is it's like, OK, where this will eventually end up is she'll find out he's the guy that did it and it'll be like tragic or whatever. But uh, we won't get a- ahead of ourselves, but the movie's so much smarter than that. Um, mm, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, anyways, I just uh, love this scene. Uh, supposedly, um, Sally was a little nervous uh, working with John Woo. I don't know if she had done like a lot of like really big kind of dramatic uh, on screen uh, parts, but I think she's she's great in the film. Yeah, she's really good. There, there's a funny moment here, though, that that kind of end cap to the scene is her turning on some music and it's like she's playing her own song <laughs> i'm like yeah. damn lady oh man i love this song <laughs> it's great exposure man she's not deaf but this is actually pretty cool because that same song leads us to our introduction to danny lee's character mm. so it's yeah this kind of parallel between the two heroes that we see um danny lee plays an inspector in this film named lee as well and um we are going to get this uh, stereotypical kind of gun deal in a back alley. And uh, his partner is uh, Kenneth Singh, who we just saw. So they make their way to the alley. And actually one of the guys that um, plays one of the dealers is uh, one of the dudes that was hounding Chow Yun-Fat in City on Fire. And um, this ends up turning into a big chase and... What happens is Danny Lee's character, he ends up... Um, he like gets on this tram like yeah. downtown that's like and this totally, is kind of, totally crowded. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, this is cool because um, you see him kind of trying to make these split decisions in the hostage situation, and he chooses to shoot the criminal. And mm-hmm. um, it's, it's kind of... It's, it's right. He's right to do it, I guess, being mm-hmm. this kind of vigilante cop not vigilante but yeah. kind of kind of aggressive. A cop on the edge yeah kinda. yeah but uh in shooting the uh the criminal he actually frightens the hostage to death she dies yeah um, yeah and i, I did... love the scene following where he's reprimanded because everything they're asking seems so reasonable um i, I promise i i will this I won't make a habit of this, this episode, but you contrast it with like how the police force operated in our last movie, where there just mm. was 
very little logic and it didn't really bear resemblance to what a police force would presumably be like. Um, this makes a lot of sense. He's asking like all these uh, review questions. It's like, okay, did you announce that you were police? Did you announce that you were going to fire your weapon? Did you ask? And Danny he didn't do any of that stuff. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got to yeah. say, I just, I, I love, uh, it's kind of a brief moment in, in the film, but I love just that glimpse of this kind of uh, Hong Kong nightlife and the tram and everything apparently is really difficult to normally get permission to, to shoot in that area. Um, but John Woo was able to get kind of a small window of time to -hmm. shoot there. And then I guess uh, Danny Lee's, is firing like a, a blank from the gun. So the reaction of the people in the tram is probably uh, yeah. pr- pretty motivated there. Yeah. I actually, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't able to source it, but I heard stories that they actually had to shoot that pretty tightly and they weren't able to get permission or there were, or maybe there were more public around during the filming and they thought there was an actual shootout so somebody actually called that the did police happen in, so there's that that scene uh later when chow yun fat gets the briefcase full of paper um mm. that shootout at the apartment apparently it was a functioning apartment building <laughs> and so the other residents called the police um, but oh. the police pretty much came and try to just kind of protect the crew. So uh, I think the story goes that some of the other residents were then throwing stuff at the actual police because they mm-hmm. weren't really doing anything. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because you can yeah, imagine the... how long that kind of sequence would take to to shoot. And it, it seems like it was at night. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that would have been terrible. Yeah. That's hilarious. I, I'd read the reason why the police weren't doing anything is because the police were all really huge John Woo fans. So, oh, well, dude, I believe it. The, the other thing that we can mention too is that Danny Lee was like kind of like this ad admired among police. He was admired just in yeah. the same way that Jackie he had was admired to be because a police of police officer as a younger ma- a younger man before he got into acting. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe he kind of fancied himself as like a. Um, conduit for like real cops or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, okay, so this goes back to Ajong and he's meeting with uh, Sydney. You said right, Sydney. Say. Yeah, Sydney is what uh, I said. Well, yeah. which I I think say to, say Fung to Sydney is that like the kind of map so with like yeah, their mouth flaps good. and stuff. So it's not bad. Sure, better than Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he offers him another job. But now uh, Ajong's kind of motivated to mm-hmm. basically redeem his his injury of Jenny, and he thinks that he, you know, if they get if he gets the money for this, he has enough money to afford an eye transplant for her. Um, yeah. This hit is a political assassination, um, and um, there's a kind of a cool set piece that we're going to get into in a mm-hmm. bit. There's a really cool line. Yeah, uh, this when is one he's of the best lines. Yeah, I'm glad all three of us wrote <laughs> that down. Yeah, the you know he's kind of caressing the guns here. It's like almost romantic in a way, and he, <laughs> he says, "Easy to pick up, difficult to put down." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Great so line. good, so awesome. <laughs> and again, I just um, yeah, I really love uh, uh, Paul's acting here as Say or or Sydney. There's just something sympathetic and kind of tortured about him um when he first shows up uh Ajong like tosses him a beer like an, it's clearly a Budweiser can <laughs> and we see that um 
Sydney's unable to to like grasp the can. He has this bad injury on his um, mm-hmm. on his right hand, his shooting hand. So yeah. kind of established that he can't be in this game anymore. Um, mm-hmm. He's still, uh, as it turns out, like a an a elder in the triads. Um, so he's owed a certain amount of respect, but he can't actually go out and do the hits. Mm-hmm. There's like a kind of a through line in the film between the two of them about how they're kind of of the old ways when it comes to the yeah. triads. They, they have like the they, honor yeah, or whatever. Yeah, they say that they have a nostalgia and um, kind of the young crazy dudes are like <laughs> messing things up for them. Yeah, I wrote down that. It's towards the later part of the movie, but um, Ajang says, the world has changed. You and I aren't suited for the triad lifestyle. We're too nostalgic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, great. Really cool. Yeah. So this leads us um, to our, our big set piece. Which is yeah. the oh we should eight. also say oh we do get to see Ajong playing the harmonica yeah, uh, yeah out yeah, of his yeah. window as it's like facing the facing the church which ends up being uh, important later mm-hmm. so uh, we go to our next big set piece which is a dragon boat race like where it's like the you know like fifty guys on a boat all paddling at once it's really cool yeah. it's amazing and it starts with uh, this really inventive like inter- intercutting and the editing as the yeah. uh, p- as Danny Lee and the cops are being kind of briefed on their kind of uh, custody mission or whatever. And John Woo is like cutting, but what's great is he's not just cutting to the boat uh, footage. The soundtrack is like cutting dramatically too. Mm-hmm. So we're hearing like the waves and the splashing and supposedly mm-hmm. all this um, boat festival stuff. It's incredible how this is done. Cause this was all shot months before the production of the movie. Um, so no actors having anything to do with the movie are in any of the dragon boat footage. It, oh, cool. You're probably going to think it's like, how is that possible? But if you go back and yeah. watch it, knowing that you can kind of see mm. just how cleverly, um, the, those shots are kind of put side by side. Um, and mm-hmm. I think the fact that he introduces it with that intercutting makes you kind of learn, like you learn sort of a relationship with that footage. So you're expecting it to always like intercut, but yeah. Yeah, this sequence is amazing, and this is uh, this features some prominent use of music from a pre-existing score, which <laughs> actually appears all throughout the killer. It's uh, mm-hmm. James Horner's score for this movie, Red Heat. Yeah, yeah, they, started, Arnold, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jim Belushi. Jim Belushi. Yeah. yeah, it's great. He's like, um, Arnold's like a Russian dude in that. Well, obviously, yeah. Red Heat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where the red. <laughs> yeah, comes the, the from. red from Red Heat. The heat does not come from Jim Belushi, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> though it usually does, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that which, which was a pretty new film at the time. I think that came out in '88. Uh, yeah. So, good rule of thumb: if you're hearing more of like an orchestra sound ever, that's often music from Red Heat. Although there's a really signature like synth portamento dive, like yeah. And that's from Red Heat also. Um, mm-hmm. They're actually, yeah. it's hard to find the soundtrack, but there are a few different pieces on even the soundtrack that feature that same synth dive. Mm-hmm. Um, so even some of the synth stuff is James Horner actually um, scoring the killer. Little that's Dana. really fun. Nice job, dude. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll add that to the blog post, of course. Yeah, oh, cool. and I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've played it a couple of times at this point. 
Um, I've got to say, I do love the actor who is the um, the target of this hit. He's supposedly like a corrupt politician, but he just seems like a really nice, jovial dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when but he actually gets the, capped in the head, oh, man, that shot. Oh, that's a great shot. But even the police are like, we have to protect this scum. Tony Wang, protecting that scum. Mm-hmm. So even yeah. though you know that he's kind of not on the level, but well, and when Sydney has the like um, the headshot photo in the briefcase for him too, it also seems like oh, this guy no, don't. don't <laughs> but yeah, this is an incredibly memorable um, sequence. Chow Yun Fat's uh, character is on this lone little boat. Mm. Um, yeah, he's like a fake mustache. And yeah, he's a fake mustache in this. Yeah, he's great up his hair. And it's it's great because we see him really hesitate and kind of delay his sniper mm. shot. And what I love there is it's like this is all kind of without dialogue, a lot of slow motion um, really on Charlie and Fett's deliberating. And it kind of lets us, I don't know, impart whatever we want to in that, I think. Like, is he is he almost debating this lifestyle, which the movie, I think, has enough evidence for to go in mm. that direction if you yeah. want but ultimately the um there's some ceremonial drumming going on as part of the festival and once one of the drummers really gets into it he kind of takes that as his uh his cover to mm-hmm. fire the shot and yeah, you that, see it through that, the scope oh man yeah there's that awesome shot where like he finally pulls the the gun up to his shoulder and it like shows the same sh- shot three times from different angles and and that amazing shot that. from the scope where where it's just you see it from the scope's perspective and like just this bolt hole just appears on the guy's head. Yeah, that that triple take kind of camera technique, I, for me watching anime, they use that so much like to emphasize like yeah. like in a fight a critical attack or something. And yeah, seeing it here in in this live action film, I was like man, what you know what came first like what influenced what i think it's really cool um and i mean also just like kind of the the tone of this kind of assassin i think of like golgo 13 the professional or mm-hmm. even like the beginning of ghost in the shell or oh um, yeah uh on it actually like kill bill you know or in ishii's mm-hmm. like oh, yeah yeah um flashback definitely influenced by ghost in the shell too but also you could see it being influenced by this scene right here Mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah there's something what i love about the violence of the kill i better expand on that otherwise that could (laughs) um marty out of context quotes Mm -hmm. it's like there's a little bit of like abstract dreaminess to the violence um but what's so effective about it is you're never quite sure what it what it means um it's not like so loosey-goosey like with the laws of physics and biology where it's like no gunshot means anything but Mm -hmm. you're never entirely sure whether this bullet wound is the end or something that you're going to survive and Mm -hmm. this shot of seeing the politician like clearly uh, bullet in the head like through the scope but it's through the slow motion and so you kind of s- experience him reacting it's like it's just surreal in, a, in an awesome way um mm-hmm. yeah it does feel like anime-ish or something yeah mm-hmm. and as we've well, we've already seen in the movie and we're going to see even more i don't think chayun fat shoots anyone once 
in this movie. He shoots them oh. at least three times. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so even though he very clearly shot this guy in the head, he's got to oh, yeah, do I a forgot. couple yeah, more shots. He shoots him in the back as, as mm-hmm. he's falling, yeah. It's also interesting, the cop's reaction, isn't it? Where they're like, they're trying to cover it up. Um, yeah. Like, okay, yeah. The public like, can't know about this. Everything's yeah. cool. Just killed. keep up with the festival. Just keep moving. He's taking a nap. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he just passed out. Just keep going. <laughs> uh, so he uh, he gets in his boat and, and starts uh, uh, going away. And the police are kind of chasing him down to this little like uh, this beach kind of village, something or other. Yeah. Um, he sees this little girl like playing in the sand. And we see another a person with another scope shoot that's yeah. uh, trying to to gun him down. Yeah, this is awesome. I mean, again, some of the most famous slow motion of John Woo's career, I think, is in this little moment with the little girl. But um, Chai and Fat kind of picks up that she's she's looking at something in the trees to his right or whatever, and this is so cool. He like he takes off his sunglasses and angles them in just a way where he can he can kind of see through the reflection in a direction he's not wanting to turn his head and he can see that there's like um, a little flare from presumably mm-hmm. a gun from somebody in the trees. Uh, so cool. And then he just puts his shades on like nothing he, happened. He does this perfect like evasion roll mm-hmm. and, oh, yeah. and he goes into a forward leap and shoots at the assailant mm-hmm. in that leap. It's, it's so great. And it's funny. It's like, it's almost like in a role-playing game. It's like random encounter just begins out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's just walking on the beach. Because it's like... Yeah. I love that. Once it starts, then all the guys start crawling out of the woodwork, and he's shooting at everyone that's kind of at more of a walking pace than, you know, it's like... Anybody in his line of sight is getting shot right now. And actually, I mentioned RPG. I actually feel like it's more like uh, something like a time crisis or arcade oh, shooter. Oh, you're right. Action. Action. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it totally is. It like totally that. is like that because you've got this shooting gallery where like a guy comes from the left on the screen shoot him as fast as you can mm-hmm. oh there's a red barrel over here shoot that red barrel yeah. <laughs> yeah. because that'll like blow up this area and for dude, some more explosion. damage yeah it's a beautiful slow-mo mm-hmm. explosion there but what i love is it's not just for kicks the explosion then makes it so that uh danny and kenneth's characters can like they see it from the boat um, mm-hmm. from a distance. They're like, okay, something's yeah. going on in yeah. that little island. Oh man, there's a so cool then, shoot over there. Let's go over there. Yeah. So then they <laughs> come up kind of on the other side of uh, Ajang. <laughs> yeah. There's still a bit of frantic energy because you don't really know what, what's going on right now. But what you shortly see is that out of one of the cars up at the top of the hill is uh, what you'll find out is one of the triad leaders and he's shooting at, Ajang. And so it's kind of like this three-pronged like a uh, situation where you've got Lee chasing after Ajang the assassin, but he's also being attacked by the other triad members. And um he and also And then we have this, up- the little yeah, the little girl um who ends up getting in the the midst of all this crossfire and some really just painfully beautiful shots of uh, mm-hmm. Her in slow motion, like rolling on the beach, like bloodied. It's mm-hmm. terrible, and um, we can almost see this coming. But Ajang then, you know, grabs the girl in his arms. He tries mm-hmm. to get her into this car, and then he's like 
one hand out of the car shooting anyone that's coming after him. And so he drives off with the girl. And um, yeah, you're talking Danny about the professional, I feel like. Oh, dude, totally. I feel oh, like yeah, sure. I could see Luke uh, Luke Besson, right? That's Yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. I could see him watching this and be like, ooh, what if he raised the little girl and made her an assassin? Oh, dude, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. So now he's uh, he's bringing her to the hospital. And I love that the um, Danny Lee's character is even like, this guy, he's an assassin, but he's also seems like he's not a terrible person. So, mm-hmm. so he's like, yeah, let's go cool. to the like hospital. How quickly he picks up on that. I, I love it. And mm-hmm. Kenneth's character is like, are you crazy? Um, <laughs> and then there's this little hospital there. Uh, you think the sign says sacred heart, but it actually says scared heart with a, the what? Oh, does it? Oh, nice. <laughs> I didn't yeah. notice. That's awesome. Um, and so, yeah. Oh, you're uh, totally right. <laughs> <laughs> And Chow Yun-Fat uh, runs into the hospital with this little girl uh, in her dress all bloody, like, in his arms. And he's like, okay, where did it get to the emergency? And it, there's something kind of cool about seeing a hospital that's this deregulated compared to, like, modern-day American hospitals or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he kind of just puts her onto, like, a, a bed pretty quickly, and there's, like, mm-hmm. a team of doctors working yeah. on her. And this leads this is the kind of thing I love most about the killer like this and a few other key sequences. Basically whenever um, officer Wee and Ajong come together, these mm-hmm. moments are just movie magic, dude. I love, yeah, the, the standoff that we have here um, quickly Lee and uh, uh, saying show up and they're, you know, like kind of, it's almost like they're running through a maze because you've got all these medical bays with curtains oh, I love that. And um, they're trying to find him in the middle of this, and uh, he gets the jump on them. So he's holding a gun up to Sang, and I-, I really like the shot where they reveal that because he's standing behind him, but he's obscured. But you you see his one eye very intently staring at Inspector Lee. So yeah. um, what's really cool about this is that his whole motivation is just making sure that this girl is okay. So as soon as he sees her, kind of being revitalized he makes his break and he escapes but i like when they're in the standoff he's basically telling the cops he's like look at let the doctors do their work (laughs) Uh, yeah so there's just something cool about that dynamic of it's like the criminal you're hunting is telling you uh do the right thing And we got to mention that uh, Danny Lee's always wearing these like striped suits that look really badass. Dude, all the cops that go to the Dragon Boat Festival are like stylish, man. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Um, Does he ever wear a uniform, like a proper no. police uniform? I, yeah, I don't think so. And I kind of feel like, well, he's got like the kind of office casual, like a like a polo shirt. Oh, yeah. It you could know, be yeah. Friday most of these yeah. days. No, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yep. <laughs> But we see that the uh, Ajong stays there just long enough to see that the little girl just isn't dead. Right. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he does. He's really clever in a lot of this movie, Dude, which so I love. so clever. Uh, but he, like, he shoots once into the air to get, like, a big crowd running to stop the cops from chasing after him. And then after he hops into his car to drive away, the cops back, get back into their car and see that he took the keys. So they're Dude, not able to so chase him. Dude, it's so great. And it's just a, it's like a beautiful button on this whole sequence. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I think you see that with a lot of great filmmakers. Um, 
of or like action filmmakers is sometimes like an amazing laugh is the best way to kind of like get the energy out of a scene and like mm-hmm. close it up, you know? Yeah. Plus the, I feel like the scene from a, a different filmmaker, it just would have kept going and would have kind of overstayed its welcome. So I feel like that's like, that is the perfect really way where you're point. like, yeah. Oh, Oh, is it about to do another one? Oh no, it's not. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the movie is kind of subtly telling you it's like it's not only or all about um, this gun action, you know, mm-hmm. even though it delivers maybe some of the best gun action yeah. ever. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the scene following this, there's a little bit of kind of office police politics going on. And we get to see uh, Barry Wong, who's like the screenwriter of Prodigal Son and Pedicab Driver, tons oh, of Hong, Hong Kong movies. Oh, cool. Um, he's the, the dude with the glasses, um, oh, man. the shorter guy with the glasses. So. He's like a higher up. That's really just looking to, um, <laughs> get accolades. And it's the same situation where it's like, uh, you know, you better make me look good or else. <laughs> <laughs> um, but following that, there's this really great scene where there, uh, you've got inspector Lee basically describing Ajong to a sketch artist and um it takes a, these are the greatest sketches i've ever seen in my uh, life. they're awesome they're so yeah good. they're super oh, good man. but even before you see those i just love when he's going into the description of Ajong. Oh, you would yeah. you would think it'd be like oh this guy he looks like this and he, you yeah. know he, there's like this contempt to this but Honestly, you sound like you it sounds you like can't... he's like in love with him. Yeah, <laughs> it's like... there's a courage about him. Doesn't look like a killer. Comes across so calm. Acts like he has a dream. Full of passion. Yeah, yeah. Totally. it's definitely he's... like a love kind of story. I mean, I don't think mm-hmm. it's like school kids joking about them being gay or something, which <laughs> hopefully doesn't happen in 2020 as much as it would have when we were all mm-hmm. growing up but like yeah but no it's like they've got some kind of like love of honor or, yeah or something because there is a legit actual love triangle that goes on in the movie too um mm-hmm. we'll i just think that it. you know the the way that the interaction between these two heroes is uh handled is really like a romance you've got this cat and mouse situation where they slowly start to understand how similar they are to each other. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like the first kind of taste of that after this huge shootout. Um, yeah, totally. The other thing that's funny, and you mentioned the scoring a little bit before, but whenever they do end up encountering each other, like say in uh, Jenny's apartment, like um, instead of hearing like this dramatic sting, you get this like romantic synth like piano that plays whenever like, they meet you're each up other for karaoke kind of thing yeah it's yeah. it's really interesting it's it's um it almost seems very deliberate you know um yeah it's gotta be in well, a, in a, that scene almost like i i jokingly said in my notes that it's like a, a meat cute <laughs> like, yeah it totally is a meat cute like in the yeah, hospital yeah, yeah, like it's the first time they see each other and like have this immediately have this kind of connection. It's just yeah, it's a connection sure. while they're shoot pointing guns at each other. I mean, their connection in all those scenes is just so amazing. And their chemistry um, is amazing. Yeah. yeah um for sure. the, but yeah, it's it's right be, you're right, Matthew, because like 
it's like who was that mysterious man yeah and he like gets away <laughs> like whoa like mm-hmm. <laughs> well and it's cool because it's more subtle at this point in the movie but what we ultimately realize is officer lee feels really restricted by um i guess mm-hmm. kind of the laws uh regulations or whatever of the police force and he has his own personal sense of justice maybe and how to carry it out oh and yeah there's something that he he sparks to immediately with Ajong. Um, and it's like, okay, this guy is operating by his own code. Like uh, the average triad hitman doesn't want to protect innocence like that. Like, um, like here's someone who maybe understands me. So yeah, there is this kind of longing love sort of thing. <laughs> um, also there's a really powerful sequence of shots where John was pushing in on this close up of Chow Yun fat. Who's like really sweating yeah. and just like st- kind of stricken, and uh, he intercuts that with uh, shots of the girl who is like writhing on the beach and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this says so much without anyone needing to go into any dialogue about how they're feeling. It's like mm-hmm. we all get it really clearly. <laughs> yeah, following that, we get a short scene with Say and Wang Hoi, the triad leader, and you you get basically a, a uh, exposition on why he's doing what he's doing and i guess um that ajong's identity was exposed and that could lead uh you know the police to wong hoi so wong hoi put out a hit on ajong and uh say don't you kind think of, his explanation is kind of fishy though? and i don't think this is like a mistake that the movie makes i think it's actually really smart like they were so quick to to be they were so on his tail to kill him. It's like, I think they were planning on killing Ajahn. Yeah. Right. And time, th- right? there's not this respect and honor. You know, they throughout the film, they talk about these rules that they have to follow. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a line in this scene where Wong Hoi says, I don't care about rules. Yeah. You know, so yeah. this is kind of like the, the kind of chaotic evil of the triad where, you know, yeah. these guys are kind of neutral evil or almost you mm-hmm. know i don't know it, yeah, it's yeah like cool. they, they have like an order they have a code but then yep. this this guy's coming in he's just the he's just the wild violent one yep yeah <laughs> and totally. i love obviously you know these these shots are all beautiful but i do love me a good out of context shot and I feel like the shot of Danny looking at all the sketches of <laughs> yeah. Ajahn on the wall <laughs> is a great out of context oh, shot and these <laughs> sketches, I mean, they've got to be Xeroxes of the same sketch, but yeah, uh, or most of them. But dude, whoever that artist is, yeah, I, it's so good, dude. It's really good. It's like and how he perfect... articulates like the hair and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. It's a perfect balance of like abstraction and like realism. Like, it's yeah, su- super nice. <laughs> Yeah, we've it's, had a good run of sketches and yeah. well, it has that kind of like Jim Lee quality where like the anatomy is really strong, but it's mm-hmm. like simplified to kind of like mm-hmm. comic book lines or whatever. And some cross hatching too. There you go, yep. some Jim yeah. Lee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like, yeah. So Inspector Lee figures out that like that this is connected to the the woman who is blinded, so He's like, well, if he took care of this little girl. He probably took care of her too. So, like, have to try to make those connections. I love that. It's like kind yeah, of a stretch, so but you actually like, mm-hmm. yeah, I get that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's almost you get a sense that uh, Inspector Lee maybe understands Ajong more than than he does himself. You know, because mm-hmm. it's like 
we realize is like, oh, this guy's got a code that I'm guessing he won't ever fail to follow, mm -hmm. which means that he has to be like still in this woman's life. Mm -hmm. Whereas I imagine Ajong just, you know, like most of us are just kind of taking, taking life as it comes. And yeah. it's like, oh, this is just the right decision to make now. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, great, great sequence here with, um, uh, yeah, with Danny Lee and Sally and, um, it's interesting because as he when he first approaches her, she says Ajung, and this ends up being kind of a motif because uh, there's a little bit of like a kind of a love triangle um, for this kind of next portion of the movie where it's clear that Lee is kind of is falling for Jenny as well. Um, I I like that. I didn't really pick up on that as much, mm -hmm. but I'm into it. At least this this time watching it, it definitely felt pretty strong, but. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I guess that's another strength of the movie is like not everything's really elaborated on in in dialogue. Mm. But um, I like that that even in this first interaction, she's like, "Are you Ah Chung?" Um, almost kind of implying like we isn't really ever going to have a chance uh, with Jenny. And then yeah, her. nice. Yeah. Uh, there's also an amazing shot where we can see uh, Ah Chung in the uh, like maybe in the doorway or something uh, off in the distance. Mm -hmm. and oh yeah and then someone walks awesome in front of it yeah someone walks in front of the frame there. and he's gone yeah. that's good so uh ajong now is meeting up with sydney to try to uh try to get his money so that he can get out of the out of the business but this is all kind of just a setup to to try to take ajong out and there's this amazing bit where uh ajong puts down his gun to take a look at the money Sydney steals the gun and then Ajung starts laughing and then he holds all the bullets that he took out of the gun. Yeah. That's, that feels very anime to me. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> and both of these guys acting in this scene is like, yeah, it's just a cut above. Um, mm -hmm. I like, I feel like Paul Chukong, he just really takes his time with this Sydney character. Um, you wouldn't think on paper that it's maybe like the most significant character in the movie, but I don't know. He just, He's not like by the numbers with his uh, portrayal. I don't know. He doesn't really mm -hmm. remind me of any other Hong Kong actor, kind of how mm -hmm. he, some of his choices here. And I can't remember if this is the scene where we are uh, learn the concept that Ajong will always keep one bullet yes. in the chamber. It is. At yeah. the yeah, very end, um, mm -hmm. either to kill his last opponent or to kill himself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this turns into a huge gunfight. And, yeah. like, and this is the gunfight where the the neighbors <laughs> called the cops to, to <laughs> yeah. kind of know aid here. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. These, all these assassins, it's like, it's gotta be like 10 guys or something that are all they, like, you know, cramming around every corner <laughs> to try to take him out. Yeah. Yeah. And they really have some heavy artillery too. We've got mm -hmm. like silenced oh, machine dude. guns and stuff too. One thing I like is that in the middle of this, um, you see that, uh, Ajong has like a, a, a little handgun hiding up his sleeve mm -hmm. and that's actually yeah. um a walter ppk that's the that's the james bond gun oh nice i was about to say goldeneye yeah 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 that, i thought that was really cool mm -hmm. um but yeah a, a lot of style again um i i really love when he does i know you guys are saying like he never shoots anybody once but i really <laughs> love when he like shoots somebody and then he like goes up to him and just like mm -hmm. pops him up like two more that? times oh, yeah. like yeah. yo there's but no way you're getting away from this like you said marty that's that's kind of that like like teetering on fantastical kind of element right, to, the, right. to the violence 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is when he he's holding the gun up to Sydney, and and uh, he and he doesn't end up shooting him. But he says, like, is it true that you really only keep always keep one bullet? And then there's this amazing shot of him like cocking the hammer back and the oh, and the yeah. bullet flying out. Yeah. Oh, oh, so, so good. good. And it's great because you can see that um Sydney just feels str- like Sorry, heartbroken the slide, ter- not the hammer. Sorry, get my gun oh, yeah. parts. Gun parts mixed up. Oh nice. <laughs> cool. But you can see that Sydney just feels like horrible and sick about what's happening. Like he mm-hmm. wants to pay Ajong. Um and then it's interesting, like the trajectory of his character is super fascinating mm-hmm. in this movie, kind of where it, where it ends up going from mm-hmm. here. That's another great line is his city saying, thanks you for sparing me. I actually like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we have a, uh, we follow up the action scene with um, we and uh, Kenneth's character kind of checking out the aftermath. Mm-hmm. And I think he sees that uh, Ajong had a uh, Jenny's cassette tape, probably that same one where she was like, yeah. oh, let's listen to some music <laughs> and like a picture of her. Yep. And then John Woo does this shot where um, Danny's character sits in the same seat and we kind of repeat the same camera work. The only, th- <laughs> my only tiny little taste thing that I don't jive with in the entire movie is that I I think we maybe make this moment a little too redundant. I'd almost like a version where we just repeat the same camera work, but we don't have to flash back to oh, um, Italian fat in there. Mm -hmm. But it's also, it's also really effective Mm -hmm. the way it is too. (laughs) Yeah. I ate it up. I really like that. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, before, before we leave this though, Mm -hmm. there's a technique that we've seen probably a couple of times by now that I haven't mentioned, but John Woo in this film will use freeze frames for emphasis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it's it's actually kind of surprising, but works really well, really well. Works really well. And the fact yeah. that it's like a repetitive sort of motif, I think really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, and spoilers, but the movie itself doesn't end on a freeze frame. So there's something really power. He's almost borrowing the language of the Hong Kong freeze frame, I feel like. Mm. Um but able to employ it like throughout the movie, which yeah. is really, really cool. Or the 18. Maybe <laughs> oh, yeah. lots nice. of freeze frames all throughout it. Um, Whoa. Was that like imprinted on me? Like subconsciously? I love the 18. <laughs> I also love the 18. <laughs> that's great. Um, that's obviously a billion times cheesier, but um, yeah, let's this, go to the apartment scene yeah this leads cool? to oh definitely that's what i was about to say is this there's like there's a couple little scenes between but the apartment scene uh jenny's apartment is it's probably my favorite scene in the movie just amazing yeah because uh ajong's going to see jenny but uh lee's already in the apartment like kind of staking out and the entire almost the entire scene the two of them are just pointing their guns at each other while Ginny is in the apartment and just can't see what they're doing. So again, it's like the layering. It's like the fact that Jenny is almost blind does so much for the story. And it also gives you this moment, makes it possible that like we as the audience can see that these guys are in like a gun standoff, Mm -hmm. but then there's this layer of them having to kind of like deceive Jenny and they have to do it coyly 
Mm-hmm. Dude, this is awesome. And again, it's, it's almost it's like so a rom com, cool. like trying to like sneak around. Oh, totally. Kind of thing. I wrote that in yeah, my dude, notes. Like, <laughs> the thing is, like, yeah, John Woo's movies are funny, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, I I said it's like a sitcom setup here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> they have this kind of going back and forth about soccer there's all like these soccer terms that they're throwing at each other saying mm-hmm. that they used to play together they have <laughs> right, nicknames right. for each other and now okay we're finally okay, at the, so nicknames. the nicknames yeah so in the cantonese version i love these nicknames they're so <laughs> weird but they're great so uh, ajang's nickname is shrimp head <laughs> and lee's nickname is small b abi which i think is kind of like a baby or kid like kiddo or something gotcha um, yeah what are their nicknames in the dub? So versions? the one in the dub version I saw is Mickey Mouse and Dumbo. It was Mickey Mouse. I'm Dumbo. <laughs> you called each other that? Yeah. What? So, oh, that's good. That's the original dub. I think there was a later <laughs> dub where they were changed to Shrimp Head and Runt. So they changed. Oh, okay, so that's a little more runt. true to the. That's yeah. great. But no, Mickey Mouse and Dumbo. That was like a classic. And then I think it was changed in a later dub, maybe to not mess around with disney characters yeah. or something yeah totally oh man i love that so then wow that makes me think all the way to the end of the movie so yeah at the end of the movie whenever yeah, she's like mickey head. mouse mickey mouse what the hell that's hilarious <laughs> <laughs> wow great great um okay but but again um ajang is one step ahead of everyone so uh in the middle of this, you've also got saying who was distracted by a woman in the stairwell. So she's talking to him, but she reveals to him that a uh, man paid her money to talk to him. So he realizes that, oh, something's wrong. So he tries to make his way into the apartment and stumbles his way in by the window. But Ajung still is able to um, keep them at gunpoint. And he says, like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom. And he makes his way out. And um, he ends up escaping. And there's a little another stand-up. There's an, another cool shot with uh, Tseng kind of hanging off the side of a building. <laughs> and um, you, what you don't see at first, but you realize is that Ajang is uh, holding a gun up to him from below. And uh, he makes his way out. But what ends up happening now is that Lee and Sang kind of spill the beans to Jenny, who um, by now you're kind of like, man, this lady should really kind of figure something out, right? And she does have a line where she says, like, I know you guys are lying. Like, what's going on? And uh, he tells Jenny that uh, Ajong's like a killer, that, uh, you know, and they're police, yeah. they're after him. So it's kind of like a turning point. So again, point. this is the kind of surprise, because this is... Uh, we're kind of waiting for this shoe to drop from kind of towards the beginning of the movie. But what we'll see is like, that's not really enough to um, stop Jenny's love for Mm. Ajong, which is kind of surprising, but sort of beautiful too. Mm -hmm. So we get a brief scene showing the, the crime boss trying like hiring another, another assassin to take out Ajong. And I like that. Sunglasses man. I like that. Yeah. Sunglasses man. Um, I love that they, uh, earlier in the movie, for Ajong's last job, he wants to get paid 1.5 million Hong Kong dollars, and they're offering to pay this guy a $100,000. Yeah. Oh, man. 
But I just thought that was a, that's a nice touch. The guy's yeah. cheaping out. So I don't cheap out, man. <laughs> yep. Buy this is also twice. Yeah, yeah, you get what you pay for. <laughs> it's also a situation like I mentioned before where Wong Hoi doesn't like play by the rules, so he's kind of hiring this kind of loose cannon to take care of business. Mm-hmm. And in in a different version of the movie you could almost see that kind of turning on Wong Hoi and maybe like an assassin like betraying oh, like him because of him not playing by the rules. That doesn't really happen here, but it it doesn't really need to, but it's just something I was thinking about as we were getting through the film. Um, this leads to a really cool uh, scene. And um, here we've got, I feel like there's a bunch of fun stuff to talk about here. So <laughs> um, Ajong's kind of waiting in the parking lot and you see that. Uh, in an interesting vehicle. like It's, a, it's yeah. like a Suzuki sidekick. It's like a ah, little gotcha. kind of SUV. I mean, I didn't start talking about the cars, but there's a lot of cool cars in this movie too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and uh, Say's at this kind of tipping point where he's ready to like just give up his like manhood. He's ready to like kneel down and, and beg for him to... Uh, just be allowed to smooth things out between uh, the triad and Ajong. Yeah. And um, Wong Hoi is like, nah, man, F that, like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. And um, Yeah, uh, and that's like, if we didn't already kind of like loathe that character, the fact that he, he doesn't even have respect for for something like this, which is like clearly such a, it's like an honorable man that's desperate. I don't know. Yeah. And he's also supposed to be more of a revered, like Sydney's character is supposed to be more of a revered uh, triad elder or whatever too. So it's like, yeah, man, these new guys just don't play by the rules. Mm-hmm. We I don't think we mentioned that he's played by Xing Fuyan, who's really cool and actually was um, known for playing these villainous roles. You can yeah, see that totally. he's got he this great look for a villain. Yeah, perfect look yeah, for it. Yeah, we've definitely seen him in... Uh, yeah, I can't thinking? pull anything out of my head right now, but um, he was in a ton of films and always... He, he became I'll really uh, well-known for that. And yeah, I, I think he's great and he's perfect in this role. It's same thing with a lot of these these hong kong character actors i was like oh i'll just pop on over to his hong kong movie database 237 films yeah it's yeah great. dude let's hear it man that's yeah. amazing <laughs> love it um, yep. yeah he's no longer with us so uh, but um there's actually a pretty cool uh write-up about him on uh his hong kong cinemagic uh page um, oh, we nice. can link to that in the blog post too um but yeah so uh ajong here is uh, he's like fed up he's like i'm taking it to them um he's got like a huge hand cannon it looks like a 357 magnum i think like with like uh, some type of attachment on top it looks really cool and um oh he was in a better tomorrow sorry oh yeah right (laughs) um so uh he ambushes them he shoots them as they're going down uh one of the ramps and then he pursues them and there's a really interesting shot where um after he's already shot Wong Hoi once, who looks like he's kind of bleeding out, he hangs out of the side of the car, and uh, Ajung shoots at him. And if you're not looking super close, it looks like he blows his arm off, like the debris that flies. He apparent apparently did, like the squib, the squib misfired so, or something. But yeah, they, didn't, they weren't able to reshoot it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at yeah. this shot, like I looked at it like four times, just like trying. And actually, I I think that 
I don't know where the truth is, but my eyeballs were looking at this and it looks like the liner from the car door like breaks away. And there's some continuity like that kind of helps prove my point. And uh, the shot following that, you see that same debris laying on the ground and it matches. Oh, so I did see so that right up. you think it might up. be the car liner and not necessarily the, the yeah. arm? But I did see that, uh, what you're talking about, uh, where they said that there was a prosthetic arm with some squibs that actually like kind of misfired and they just left it in. So I, I don't know. Um, I guess. Oh, I'm a, seeing that, uh, that car debris that you're talking about. Yeah. You can, you can, if you're really looking close, I mean, and we're, we're watching the Dragon Dynasty um, uh, version of the film. So like the, it looks good. It looks, it's not an, it's not an HD or anything, but it's a good, um, uh, restoration of the film i feel yeah yeah for sure i know there is there, uh in the final church sequence um there's a squib that went off funny and uh damaged giant fat's eye so actually some of the the Whoa. eye blood and injury in the towards the finale is like real <laughs> oh. stuff how Jeez. poetic yeah yeah so after all of this sydney and, and <laughs> i want to say jeff Ajahn, yeah, yeah, uh, they they meet up because he had previously said like I never want to see you again, and yeah. so he's, he's dude. This location this. is so good. It's so cool. And the wow. scene overlooking, is so good. It's overlooking wow. Hong Kong, and they're like up on this on this like, kind of mountainside. Yeah, dude. If you want to make the most like rugged men cry, it used to be like in the fifties or sixties or whatever. It was like watch Old Yeller. That was like Bill Murray's joke in Stripes or whatever. <laughs> like, um, but dude, the killer is. It's got to make every, mm -hmm. I don't know, yeah, like, yeah, man's man cry or get weepy at mm -hmm. this this idea of brotherhood mm -hmm. and loyalty and everything. Um, yeah, and yeah. it's it's yeah, it's framed in this romance. You know, it's like romantic, but in a manly way, like, and not yeah. like a not like a gay way, but like yeah, you, but you yeah, know, like, in, like like in a like a like a brother kind hey, of thing. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah yeah, yeah totally. it's like i, it's I like, like too that like ajong is like it's like it made me sick watching you like beg mm -hmm. on your knees to that guy yeah and it's like um and yeah i don't know it's like you you really believe at all the steps to kind of like mend their mend their friendship mm -hmm. partly because i guess you didn't want them to really be at odds in the first place but um yeah this is another great scene mm-hmm so they, it kind of leads to them talking, to him calling Ginny and setting up like a meeting with her to, to leave, to go to Singapore. And you can tell that he knows that it, the call is being listened in on yeah. uh, by the cops. But I like he's like very sly. He says she's never lied to me. He doesn't say like, I don't believe her. Yeah. It's like, but again, yeah, we have I like that, what you're saying. that honor about it, you know? Yeah. And morale i mean i guess principle <laughs> yeah and no, but also the smarts of the movie too where it's like they don't have to make explicit what you can really what you can kind of see if you're paying attention yeah. and you like no human behavior or mm -hmm. whatever so they go to the airport and for our next scene this is so cool and now this is the one i think you might have been right carlos that they had to kind of steal footage in the nighttime city stuff, but to shoot in this airport at the time was, I guess, really difficult. So I think their window was like, I think it was two to five a.m. or something like oh, that. Oh man! Um, and so they had to kind of get all this stuff done in that 
that little chunk. I was thinking if if Ajang wasn't an assassin, he'd be great working in the theater because all his <laughs> costumes that he makes up look perfect. Yeah. Uh, what was the, the facial Dana hair movie that like bombed? But... Oh, the Master oh, of Disguise. Um... Yeah, yeah. Turtle, turtle. Yeah. <laughs> no. I think that's based on the killer, right? <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> um, he uh, sets this whole situation up where he knows that the cops are after him. And um, it's interesting. There's like this whole group of like Japanese salarymen mm-hmm. that are kind of uh, like bowing I, to their CEO. Or yeah. yeah, they're like saying farewell to their boss. And. Um, You've also got a man who uh, goes up to Jenny, and once that happens, they swarm. But what you find out is that's actually Say, who's mm-hmm. like uh, feigning like yeah, he's drunk, kinda... or either he is drunk or he's playing like he's drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> when you when you see the 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 true Ajong, he's like got this mustache and goatee. Uh, yeah, and so, totally. Again, I've mentioned it before the podcast, but it's funny seeing stuff where it's like, if this was in a Western movie, I'd think it's kind of racist. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he has like totally. the glasses and the goatee slicked over here. Like he just looks like the most stereotypical Japanese CEO kind of mm, guy. Uh, I love and- how John Wu. Uh, shoots all this stuff and really the edit of everything where both one we're seeing this japanese figure uh we cut away just before he turns to mm-hmm. the camera and same with um the sydney character we cut away just before he uh we could see his face and yeah this yeah. whole sequence even though it's arguably not super high on maybe like action or whatever it feels like one of the most um exciting uh spots of the movie mm-hmm. somehow I, i'm not sure how they pulled that off yeah so back at the station, Sidney's getting, uh, getting interrogated, but you can tell he's basically just trying to to buy time for for Ajong to to try to get away. Oh yeah, there's a so at the police uh, back at the police station, we get sort of reprimanded, and they're trying to put a new officer on charge of the case. Um, that song is supposed to, and his advice is basically like. Oh, we'll keep following this say or Sydney character. Something will show up, mm-hmm. um, and we don't really elaborate on this character, and we don't really <laughs> like him too much either. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out that uh, Kenneth Tsung's character was doing that, and so um, he does end up following. Does end up following Sydney. So we, you have this interesting sort of car chase with this kind of like sandwich car chase. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. It's uh. Cal, this is this is great. And let's see. I wrote down. Uh, Bruce Law was the guy uh, involved with the car stunts in this movie, so it's not our uh, not our friend Blackie Co. But no um, Blackie Co. This time, <laughs> yeah, but some great, yeah, great stuff here. There's like those kind of open road shots. They look very um, stunt work, like <laughs> real, <laughs> where you see all the cars like zipping yeah. and zigzagging back and forth. Mm-hmm. Lots of great That's... like fishtailing and drifting, and yeah, yeah, totally. That's a little fantastical to me but i do really like seeing like two cars crashing into each other at high speed is really cool yeah. uh you got uh saying who's already been shot and um you can tell that he's been mortally wounded trying to hold on and uh keep his chase up he ends up shoving one of the cars off the road and uh almost makes it to uh where uh, say is heading who are which is ajong's hideout but um he just gets a glimpse of the street signs so he knows where that is and um 
shortly after that the cops show up and he's in the hospital and um you'll find out that at like basically with his last like dying breath he lets uh inspector lee know where ajang is yeah and this is kind of what i mean about like where the the violence and the realism lands it's like it's really kind of malleable so like john woo can can sort of make it work how he wants to and i think with sang's death it's really effective because when sunglasses like drives up next to him in the parking lot and shoots him it's like so shocking Mm -hmm. and you're sure that he's dead um but then he's somehow pulling through but it adds it's great because it adds this level of danger to the car chase um which is already probably would have been exciting but then it does ultimately lead to him dying in the hospital so you he kind of like uh from this one shot he gets to kind of use it in every conceivable way that would be effective for the for the story oh man yeah that's great yeah, well said. Um, there's a really nice end cap to that scene, too, where you've got that replacement inspector um, trying to question Lee as he's walking out of the hospital room. And uh, he's asking like about the information that he got from saying, and uh, Inspector Lee says, why don't you go ask him yourself? Yeah, and it's like, so good. Damn, got him. Oh, and then he puts on his motorcycle helmet, and that has the name of his production company, Magnum. Yeah, oh. that's really good. Um, <laughs> oh, I yeah, like that. I put that in my notes mm. too. <laughs> yeah, he makes his way over to to the to the hideout and sunglasses is is following right behind him. And this goes to our next and there's several scenes in this movie where it's Danny Lee trying to confront Chai Un Fat and then a billion other dudes swarm in right after yeah. him. That happens like three times in this movie. Can't they just get some time alone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also, this is, uh, uh, yeah, Chai and Fat's now in this like iconic white suit. Yeah. And that's going to kind of take us to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And um, really maybe kind of surprising or striking wardrobe at this time, but ultimately it's going to allow us to see the maximum amount of blood. Mm-hmm. Um by the time it's all over right and it's not just him that's wearing white i love that all like most of the goons oh yeah that are, the goons are wearing assailing white they're all wearing white mm-hmm. so all these squibs are gonna paint like every fabric that you see on, yeah. on there's film. also a cool ticking clock kind of in this sequence um they're in this uh it's this really bright sunny day and they're in this really nice kind of like seaside apartment or whatever and uh but jenny's walking around she's like why is it so dark so i just like there's this sense like we can't wait forever to get jenny um the medical help that she needs you know it's Mm -hmm. like that's time is running out which is cool so the the goons kind of descend on the two of them in their uh interaction and he's uh one of my favorite shots in the entire movie is the two of them both diving onto the ground and then pointing their guns at each other. Oh dude. So great. those lines, those lines are great too, because in the standoff just before this erupts, um, Ajong actually pulls his gun, but to shoot the guys coming from behind of Lee, Lee doesn't know that. And he actually shoots Ajong in the arm. Yeah. So when they're laying there holding guns to each other, He's like, he's I like, can't. Oh, you were able to shoot me. Yeah, he's like, I can't believe you shot me. He's like, 
I never miss a chance. And he's like, you won't have many more. So you've got this yeah. kind of buddy cop almost mm-hmm. repartee yeah. going on. And this is actually like the big turning point in their relationship where they're going to actually have to join yeah. forces just to survive this onslaught. And then I think one of the best like storytelling moves of the whole movie comes here. Jenny actually grabs a gun and she obviously isn't aided by her sight really anymore, but she's pointing it at Lee. And this is where I think you really, I don't know. I guess we never outright says I love Jenny, but it seems pretty strongly implied to me by just like his acting and everything. But here's this woman he potentially loves. She's pointing a gun to him. Mm-hmm. Not only that, he's able to just kind of gingerly get out of her, mm-hmm. uh, get out of a danger, but she can't see it. And she actually pulls the trigger. Yeah. So, he sees it's like, wow, she really would have been willing to kill me mm-hmm. over Ajong, even though she knows, you know, Ajong's the one that stole her sight and um, everything I've been trying to do to help her. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know, dude, it's so powerful. And mm-hmm. yeah, not and the kind of story moment you'd expect uh, if you're just coming here for the action, you know? You don't even get a chance to get your breath back right, because right. like every like like fifty guys just show up. I, I love the shots of the cars pulling in and guys literally just rolling out of the car, all with guns yeah, in their totally. hands. <laughs> yeah, it's it's super fun. It's it's so good. And um, some of the shots that I really enjoy are like of either uh, Danny Lee or Chow Yun Fat kind of rolling or kind of frantically evading like machine gun fire it looks so visceral and so um kinetic it just is that one when the full uh yes yeah chai and fat's rolling in the floorboards get all shot up oh man you're just captivated like whoa is he you know he does this like barrel roll spin to the ground and the floorboards are erupting out from under him and you're just like whoa what's happening when i love how like organically we move into like they're working together trying to shoot all these guys it's just like Dude, feels so good. You want to cheer? Oh, and then yeah. there's that brutal moment where um, Chow Yun Fat like stabs the dude with the butcher knife, um, which I think it's hilarious too. Because seriously, like in the scene with between Ajang and Jenny before this, when everything's cool and they're like laying in bed together, she's like, "Don't kill people anymore." He's like, "I won't." <laughs> and yeah. literally, the next scene, yeah. like he kills like thirty. I guys. always think like, okay, now I won't. Now yeah, I won't. Like, <laughs> yeah, last one for real. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> they were going to shoot me, babe. I got to kill them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Come on, baby. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But that we- also, I think, adds impact to the fact that then she found herself in the situation where she was actually willing to pull the trigger mm-hmm. and kill somebody. Um, yeah, it's it's great. They barely make it out alive. Sunglasses has like this, I'm almost like an RPG, like shotgun looks like. Yeah. And um, he's like blowing holes in this house and they are making their way out um inspector lee grabs a car and they barely escape and he's still shooting at them and the back end of the car lights up on fire that's really cool it's called a franchi pa3 that's the shotgun dude nice that like you like has like a foregrip that you can like uh, cock it with so yeah if if you like guns this is a good movie too like yeah for real there's a lot of guns (laughs) yeah um so they they barely get away and and i can't say i've ever seen this in a movie before um they get away and go to like the like a stream nearby and um ajan got shot of by 
by Danny Lee's character. So um, to kind of like uh, deal with the wound, he cuts open a shotgun shell, pours the black powder over the the wound, <laughs> and then lights it with a with a cigarette. With his cigarette. I yep. also like too. He hands like uh, he hands Ajang this little branch, and he knows what to do. Yeah, He's like chomp down yeah. on this because this is gonna hurt, mm-hmm. dude. This is like some Rambo stuff mm-hmm. right there. Yeah, yeah, for real. It's great. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's some smoking in this movie. It's definitely not as nearly as much as in City on Fire, but um, <laughs> but I feel like they they smoke in like it's you know it's appropriate smoking after a crazy yeah. gunfight like this, and you said a burn your arm and again we have like the multi-layered the fact that the cigarette like has this other use or whatever is cool. yeah but this is this is kind of i think the first scene maybe with these characters is like legit friends um because lee hands him a cigarette and mm-hmm. they're really kind of going into talking about their differences and uh we is asking him like okay so who's really at the head of this organization that's trying to stop you and um Ajong's code man he's still not willing to <laughs> like spill those secrets um but we yeah surprised and inspector lee has a great line in this scene too he says i believe in justice but no one believes in me that's <laughs> dope i love it so good yeah so they make their way back to the church um and that's and and here we see that Ginny is basically just completely lost her sight because She's saying, like, did someone cut the power? And and you're in this place that's like couldn't be more illuminated. Yeah, um, by the candles. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll just call it out now because once all the action's going, it'd be hard to kind of stop that train. But an incredible um, image uh, during that fight is uh, Jenny is f- having to feel her way around because she can't see, and she's feeling what's a candle and her fingers lead up to the oh, yeah. and she touches the flame. So it's like, I mean, again, it's like, this is what filmmaking does so well. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, the show don't tell. I'm sure there'd be a beautiful, yeah, I'm sure there'd be a beautiful way to like write that prosaically in a novel or something, but that just says so much. And it's that she has to find out in that way is so kind of like beautifully tragic or whatever. Say has promised, Ajang that he would get him that money he knows how important it is to uh him and and jenny this situation so he makes his way to wang hoi's um uh, place and really like they they do underestimate him because he's kind of like mm-hmm. this the old guard washed out injured triad yeah. member but mm-hmm. um he does the as best as he can to uh one take out as many of those guys as possible mm-hmm. To get that money and three like injure Wong Hoi as as bad as he could. Mm-hmm. Wong Hoi, it's you, such a brutal scene, man. Yeah, yeah, you you see that Wong Hoi is equipped with like a bulletproof vest, and um he's already pretty injured too from all the stuff that's happened before. Mm-hmm. And I think that um uh the way he looks, looking all cut up and mm-hmm. bruised, like yeah. really just adds to the menace. Like you can see that um he's kind of fed up with all of this and um. He already doesn't really have morals, so he's willing to do whatever he needs to. Mm-hmm. But well, um, like there's a there's a line that Say has because they're kind of shocked that he is able to fire a gun, and it's like, oh, I didn't think you could do this with your injury. And I think he says something like, "I still have some of the old pro." And yeah, the, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Damn, he's cool. He ends up holding up uh, 
Wang Hui with the gun, like, mm-hmm. and he says the the line that you hear from Ajang earlier, where it's like, yeah, I I make sure there's one bullet. I think he for says me. killers like me make sure there's one bullet yeah. or something like yeah. that, where it's like <laughs> not totally. <laughs> yeah, um, he's not exactly lying because you yeah. find out that he didn't. He didn't, yeah, he didn't count right. And and when he's driving away, he's basically like, crap, how did I miscount? <laughs> you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> and but yeah. this is this is beautiful how all this works together because um, you know, Ajang and Lee and Jenny are at the church because that's where they're supposed to meet uh Sydney. Um and so Sydney's trying to use his last bit of life and energy to take it there, but then of course he's followed to the church. So I don't know, it's just all really mm-hmm. like clear and uh coherent or whatever yeah the the pacing's really well handled in this film and the um continuity's really well handled too you yeah you you know you can't find any really holes or there isn't enough clues to kind of pull you away from it you're you're really following the plot really well yeah Um, totally it's pretty tragic though uh say shows up and um like you said, he's being followed. So he gets shot, and uh, just as he's about to, you know, die, he has this kind of sorrowful, you know, like, I don't want to die like a dog. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of like this back and forth with him and Wong Hoi earlier about him calling him a dog and kind of just, yeah. you know, being subhuman. And uh, Ah Jung uh, does what I can imagine is just like something you never want to do is like one of your oldest friends having to put them out of their mm-hmm. misery and that's like the final like straw and the catalyst to this intense shootout that we're, we're going to see. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, what incredible motivation and they've really, they've earned it and build it up. I mean, built this up like the whole film, you know, I mean the opening scene had these two characters in this exact same location, mm-hmm. you know, um, mm-hmm. been leading to this in a really powerful way. Also just want to call out, I think in the moments just leading up to this is where Ajong told Lee basically if something happens to me then donate my corneas um for Jenny's surgery mm-hmm. that that'll be important <laughs> yeah so now they have a little bit of like a kind of a bro moment where they're he's basically saying like you you know we like you two need to just run away but they said no we, we're gonna just make our kind of final stand here and you know, take out as many of them as we can. And that leads to the, the final, final showdown, which is like, it's the most John Wooey thing I've, I've seen of these movies. Right. Yeah. This, I mean, and in some ways you can say it's like, this is where he's able to first fully realize his vision yes. of like ultimate operatic mm-hmm. um, gun action or whatever. Um, which makes it then easy in retrospect for anyone else to come back and point to it or uh, rip it off or mm-hmm. um, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but boy, this still oh, it's amazing. You know, there, there are some scenes that are like classic in cinema, but you almost have to appreciate them like footnotes in Shakespeare or the Canterbury Tales or something. Like yeah. That. Like they maybe still don't like hit you viscerally. And damn, this, oh, yeah. this whole final sequence is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, there's like equal parts of like realism and then just like these fantastical like uh, moments where you'll see a character fly like 20 feet mm-hmm. in the air or like slide across the ground and the, these, these really stylish uh, kills. Um, 
I guess one of the things I think of is uh, uh, Ah Jung hiding under like a pew and he shoots the legs of one of the uh, mercenaries. And then when he falls to the ground, he shoots him like right in the throat to kill Mm -hmm. him. It's it's like, damn, it's so cool. Really, really, yeah, really Don't cool. watch this before going to church. If you're going to church. <laughs> yeah. You're just going to be staring yeah. around, like finding routes for yeah. shooting ups. Yeah. And there's also, like we said, there's these scaffoldings too. So you get these total Western looking, shooting a guy from a balcony and then they oh, fall yeah. down off of the balcony. It, it works really well. Mm. And it's funny. This almost like foreshadows something about the scaffolding, like gives you a little bit of once upon a time in China vibes. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, right. A couple yeah. years ahead of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. And the yeah, the combination of kind of Western and Western like uh, structure, but in like a Asian like film. Mm-hmm. I like that they're like almost always holding two guns. Mm-hmm. There's like it, it, yeah, either it'll totally. be like a shotgun and a machine gun or you've got the Berettas like we were talking mm-hmm. about before. Um and they'll do these moments where they pass each other the guns. They have like this duffel bag, like that's like a cache of weapons. And uh, like, like you guys had mentioned before, there's like this balletic way about the mm-hmm. uh, gunfire, which you wouldn't expect because it's like they're just guns. It's not like martial arts movie where you have to think about these movements. But everything is really uh, well thought out and uh, well executed. I did hear that John Woo likes to um, listen to music while he's um, like planning his shots and um, oh, there were awesome. yeah there were moments where Almost he like would say like a baby driver kind of sure thing or something. I, yeah. I don't know if it was the scoring itself or it was like his own music that he was um, visualizing but it seems like music plays a huge part in uh, how he likes to plan out his action and um, he even mentioned having uh you know, one of his cameramen working on a shot and being like, no, 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 you have to listen to this. So making him <laughs> listen to the music himself to put him in that rhythm. Yeah. I, I think that's that's really great. Cool. And like we that mentioned with awesome. like uh, Jackie Chan, you know, the kind of unheard rhythm of a fight, you know, where um, there's an underlying rhythm that you're not supposed to notice, but it's pulling you through the action. And it's really yeah, the exactly. same uh, situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite shots in this movie is early on in the fight whenever they're uh, back to back and one of them's handing like a magazine to the other while they're they're talking and oh. the camera is just circling around them. And, oh, so great. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> Again, like so off imitated. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. The impact of the killer is so big. Like you can't even imagine what action cinema would look like from any culture without this mm-hmm. movie. Like. Yeah, video games too. Man. Oh, oh, yeah. dude, totally. And like anime, like we're saying. Like, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And and like we were saying before, there's even uh, enough enough of a little break in here for a little bit of humor because the um, the throughout this every time we've seen the church, we've seen this this Mary statue, and um, briefly we see like this altar boy that has been in a couple of scenes step into the room during this huge fight. And the the Mary statue just blows up because the, like the, the the shotgun shoots it, and that's an amazing shot too because like the part of like the ceramic flies towards yeah. the camera, um, and then the altar boy does like the sign of the cross. <laughs> yeah, <it's great>. yeah. <laughs> super good. Mm-hmm. As things escalate, uh, Wong Hoi 
is in the middle of this firefight as well. And um, there's a really cool uh, shot here where um, they've got like their, it's like a carabiner of like shotgun shells. <laughs> yeah. And Ajong's like, hey man, like you think you can do this? And he's like, I'm a cop. Of course I can do it. And he like <laughs> tosses it in the air and then Inspector Lee shoots it. And it's like a, but like a screen clearing bomb, like in a video game. <laughs> yeah, You're totally right. It's really, really oh, good. Dude, it's awesome. And then I think we've got a like slow mo shot, kind of echoing one from the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie, but now with our two heroes walking mm-hmm. together, bloody and the doves and flying, perfectly timed dove yeah. in the background. Yeah. <laughs> nice, oh, it's so good. Um, and this is another one of those, another uh, of those, the freeze frame moments because the two of them are like looking out the the doors to the church. And yeah, you know it's interesting because Officer Lee is asking him what his real name is, but Jenny's been calling him Ajong a million times. So <laughs> I, I was wondering, rewatching it um, this week, like, is it possible Ajong like isn't his real name and just a name he was using for Jenny? Um, Oh yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's. I do really love that exchange between them, like oh, that, so like good. you know, five seconds or seven seconds of them standing on the side of the doorway talking to each other. It's kind of like this, or uh, it's a romantic scene mm-hmm. of them kind of like, kind of chumming it up before things like really take a turn. Like yeah, totally. Oh, I, supposedly another big influence for John Woo is uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance oh. Kid. Oh, like the fight. oh yeah, the final shot of the movie with them both coming mm-hmm. out in the freeze frame with two gun, like a gun in each hand. Oh, um, yeah, I can definitely see that. And it's like this movie, we get to almost see what happens next. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. I love that. That was kind. Of, I was kind of thinking that whenever you see them walking out, I was like, "That's this could be the final shot of the movie." And I feel like in like a Shaw Brothers movie, that would be the end of the movie yeah, it's totally. like oh everyone's and dead the and they're walking away right on and that he like plays with the freeze frame mm-hmm. um which any hong kong audience expects it's like oh okay it's yeah. over um and uh yeah I, I think it also shows like what sort of like frontier breaking or whatever about the killer is really this these final five minutes are i think unlike anything anyone had ever seen before you mm-hmm. know yeah, it's brutal. Uh, Wong Hoi actually ends up taking Jenny as a hostage, and we've got another Mexican standoff mm-hmm. here. Um, I love Danny Lee that's... takes the sunglasses assassin hostage as like to you know to counter it, and then Wong Hoi just shoots him. He's like, "Look, yeah, I don't." Yeah. Care Which is like about so him. true to his yeah. character. Right, right, right. A really nice detail that I like is that we've got these. Um, fires all around them but it's really windy out so a lot of the shots of uh ajong and lee have like this rolling smoke like very quickly yeah, passing by him too. yeah it it looks really nice yeah we is you know super clever um i can't remember but uh he says some kind of line that's like a little bit leading and ajong sees that lee has a gun and like basically at his back uh so it's like okay maybe maybe we can kind of like play at at uh dropping our weapons and still have another shot at this and they they do and they get some shots on wong hoi but but ajan gets his eyes shot out and yeah yeah and this is some these are some rough uh makeup effects for his eyes 
Because, yeah. like, it's not only just that his eyes are all bloody and covered over, but whenever there's a close-up on him, you can still see, like, him looking through it. Like, looking through all the blood <sighs> and viscera. Ooh, it's rough. Yeah, it's super rough. Mm. We've mentioned a handful of times throughout the episode about, like, makeup. And I think that all the prosthetics on this movie mm-hmm. are really, really well done. Oh, yeah. Like, J- Jenny Stitches at the beginning of the film, the makeup yeah. that I made jokes about, but um, <laughs> including uh, this stuff right here. And actually, say, after uh, he leaves Wong Hoi's uh, place and he makes his way to the church, say is all beat up and oh, the yeah. makeup on his face looks really well, mm-hmm. well done. Yeah, especially consider. I mean, the the budget wasn't all that large for the killer. Like we've said, John Woo had to kind of uh, scrape and scrimp to to get enough money uh, to put it together. And um, it's really amazing how how well it all holds up these many years later under that budget. But it's tough. It t- I think it takes a second to sink in just what has happened with Ah Jong and his eyes, and really what it means for this whole story. Um, again where i think like the killer just goes further than you'd imagine and john was always ahead of you uh it was like when uh ajang finally kind of uh becomes a hero to jenny in that alley towards the beginning of the movie you're like oh this won't end well because she'll find out he was the bad guy and that would be the tragedy normally right well she finds out she's still in love with him <laughs> and they're about to get away and then you find out like oh no the tragedy will be ajong will die and he'll donate his corneas to mm-hmm. her right and now you see this and it's like ajong's probably going to die and he's not going to be able to his eyes are completely like destroyed mm-hmm. um, yeah. so he won't be able to donate anything to help jenny yeah. and then uh adding massive insult to injury this like this is so inspired dude it's like they can hear each other jenny and ajong neither can see each other and they're crawling mm-hmm. towards each other in the chaos and they just happen to mm-hmm. miss each other in this yeah. crawl and this is the last chance they would ever have yeah uh, there's like to touch and they don't there's get this oh, there's man. this forced perspective where it looks like they're going towards each other and then it goes to another yeah. angle and they're missing each other oh yeah and it's karmic too you know uh his actions uh you know created that injury Mm -hmm. and and he ended up dying in that same way because you're right like officer lee said like look at i know you're upset that say died but don't take this revenge you can leave right now you've got the money Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. but Um, wong hoi uh, the police finally show up and Wong Hoi is because he's a massive selfish coward is running up and like, no, I surrender. I surrender. Just, just arrest me. Which is great. Cause it like presses on Lee's nerve. Cause it's like, Oh, he's going to be able to use some exploit in my stupid bureaucracy of a police mm-hmm. force, you know? Um, which is this? It's kind of an edgy <laughs> concept. Yeah. Like, are we supposed to? Yeah, kind of vigilante. Um, not like the rules mm-hmm. of the police force, but anyways, it's powerful. And he's like, "Let me arrest him," and he just opens yeah. fire on him. Um, and then, uh, dude, if this movie couldn't be more like artful or whatever, it, we end with Danny Lee's character like crying and having fallen down. And then we hear the sound of this harmonica and we dissolve to that earlier shot from the movie 
of Chai and Fat playing the harmonica, overlooking the very church that we're just at, mm-hmm. and then we cut to credits. Damn, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's um, yeah. Supposedly, they, uh, John Woo had an original idea for the ending, which was we were then going to cut to seeing Jenny at the airport on her way to get the surgery, and the camera would move, and we would see that Danny Lee is with her. The reason that it didn't happen was uh sally sally's schedule i guess um she wasn't available for any more shooting um but i think we got the best the best ending anyways though the yes yeah. that it is kind of funny that he's saying like shrimp head shrimp head yeah, yeah and, and <laughs> but there's like the, there's a power of mickey, mickey mouse, mickey mouse, mickey dog, mouse. Right? Yeah. yeah oh man there there is a some strength to it though because it's like this kind of nickname that they gave yeah. each other in the midst of this rivalry but it ended up turning into almost a term of endearment mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah for sure yeah but yeah that's the wow. that's the killer that's an amazing movie dude damn yeah this... that's i mean you don't want to throw the term around lightly but it's a masterpiece <laughs> of of a movie and like definitely one of the most important films to probably ever come out of hong mm-hmm. kong yeah i had I'd seen this movie before. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, but revisiting it for yeah, the podcast was just like pure magic. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so much fun when we get to talk about movies like this. Yeah, I mean, to like have a movie that's uh, firing on all these cylinders. It, I mean, honestly, it's just rare. It's like uh, we've said that John Woo is often imitated, but it's hard to imitate something that's so great in like on so many fronts and uh rarely (laughs) are killer imitations very strong Mm -hmm. you know i did read that they're they've been trying to remake this movie uh for a while and john woo's been uh involved in it in different ways and the most recent uh one i heard was that they were gonna uh remake it with uh what's her name uh lupita nyong'o i think oh my gosh that actually sounds (laughs) that was actually like i mean i don't know i feel like you don't have to but that's how things are and it could be cool but i think the most recent news i heard was that she was no longer involved with it and they're still trying to figure things out but i I mean you'd still rather see like an original movie john woo directing lupita and like telling a brand new story i don't know yeah yep or like have her be the girl in the hospital, um, who's like, oh, oh one of those deals, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. But yeah, that's the that's the killer. Thank you so much for taking a listen to our show here. If you like the show, then you can lose her review on whatever you're listening to this on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or whatever. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We are at Heroes the Number Three Podcast on all three of them. And thank you so much to the Kung Fu Cinema subreddit if you're checking us out from there. So we we probably could have ended it here, but I feel like we can't really do a gun action thing, John Woo movies without this final film. So uh, yeah, uh, say Carlos, what's our training for next week? Yeah, we will be watching Hard Boiled 1992, John Woo. Yeah. Um, this is the final film that he did with uh chow yun fat before jumping over to uh hollywood Mm -hmm. and um i believe yeah we're gonna see one of our venom mob dudes in this film too if i remember right um yeah really cool really excited to talk about it uh it's gonna be fun oh dude can't wait 
Well, until next week, where we're taking a look at Hard Boiled, I'm Matthew. I'm Marty. I'm Carlos. And we are the Heroes 3. Remember your training. Heroes 3 is part of the Mercado Brothers Podcast Network.